All right. Um, welcome to the Global Village. I am with four wonderful mothers that are connecting from all over the world right now. Thank you for your time. We're going to talk today about how it takes a village to raise a child um, and how the experience has been different for each of us and whether this village is, uh, you know, very necessary or not. <laughs> Um, okay, so let me start. I, this is, uh, my name is Aisata Khan. Um, so I'm a new mother. Uh, it's only been a year. Uh, had my first baby uh, last year in August. And we're presently living in Dakar, Senegal. And I'm a single mother. So it's not very easy, but we do what we can. So that's, that's my little um, bio. Okay, <laughs> thank you. I start a can. Okay, you can do this. Yes. You are fine. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Ama. Uh, I have a Dutch and a Ghanaian background, and I'm currently in Amsterdam, place B, obviously. I have one child, <laughs> a daughter. She's eight, and she's wonderful. And I have a partner, and I have some family here. Uh, and I was, I did have a, a single mom phase in the, in the eight years that I've been in business. Uh, we will talk about that. <laughs> Thank you, Amma. Tenning? Yes. Uh, hello. Uh, my name is Tenning and I am from Senegal and I live in U.S. Married. I'm married. I live in U.S. Uh, precisely in Massachusetts. And I am married. I have two boys, uh, five month, five years old, and an almost six months old. He was born on April 30, in the middle of the crisis. Well done. And <laughs> yes, um, yeah, I live in U.S. and I came here since like 2014. And yes, I'm an immigrant. Yeah, I'm here by myself with my little family. Nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Meme. Hi, my name is Leticia. I am Namibian. I'm based in Namibia in the capital window. I'm a mother of two. A girl is three, three and four months, while the boy is one year and three months. I am married as well. Uh, thank you. And I'm Georgie, and I am also a mother of two girls. One is almost two, and the other is two months. <laughs> so I have two kids under Aww. two, which is my God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm currently in Holland uh, with my family. I made my family come over for the birth. So that's my story. I am married, but my husband is not with me. Um, so just a little background about the, how did you ladies have help when you gave birth in your respective countries? You know, those without like tending, you gave birth in the States. Um, did yes. your, did family come to help you when you gave birth? No. <laughs> no, girl. For both of my child, I do not have any, any help. So I don't know if I can jump on like the consequences now or if I can wait until later on. <laughs> I think but you I can jump on because yeah. the rest of us had someone there. Right? I think Mimi, you had someone there. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Apart apart my husband, I did not have anyone for no my family member. Was born, yes, mm. he was born in 2015. And mm -hmm. by that time, I was going to school. I was going to uh, start my master's degree. I was taking some uh, language classes at the University of Oregon. And I was by myself because my husband used to live in Washington while I was in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And after I, when I gave birth, he came over. But he needed to go back because of like doing his... Uh, mm -hmm. test for getting his citizenship so there was mm -hmm. no way that he could stay with me and it was two three days before thanksgiving so he went back right after the baby was born the next day and i was by myself for my first experience without no help like no oh. monies and the friend that i used to live with unfortunately was sick at that time and she was at the hospital mm. so wow. there was no one with me only me So the second experience uh, that I had is recent. 
it was in the middle of the crisis, like this pandemic. So my plan was like to give birth, to come back at home and take care of myself like I used to do. And unfortunately, the baby was sick. So he got transferred to Masculine Hospital. So no one like was allowed to come except me, the mom, because I was pumping and it was on my plan to like feed him. Wow. And um, I was like standing up the next day when he was born. I mean, the same day he was born on April 30. And by May 1st, early in the morning, he got transferred to Masculine Hospital due to like some respiratory issues that he had. And me, Oniza, my husband, was able to like uh, go with him in the ambulance. So he went there. And after five hours, I got discharged from the hospital. And I went to join him in the NICU, the newborn intensive care unit. Yeah. And I was by myself with him, walking like around. I just had a little bag with like the toilet in the other uh, in the other like play in other places it's i mean it, it was not in the room because it's a NICU and there was like other babies as well and i was staying there because i live one hour away from that hospital so i decided to stay there to pump you know and see what's going what was going on and it was really hard as you can imagine i stayed there for about a week and after when i come back home I didn't have any support due to like the COVID. Mm. Everyone stay at their houses. Mm. I don't have that much friend. I do know some friend, American friend. Uh, one of my extensive like um, family members that I have is my husband's cousins, his wife. They live in one hour away from where I live in Rhode Island. They could not, they could not come either because of the pandemic and I was in the hospital, you know. Everyone mm. wanted to stay apart without like exposing themselves or their families. So yeah. it was. <laughs> so that's my experience for birth, and wow. um, I almost got for two of my um, deliveries. After that, I almost got postpartum mm -hmm. because it's like wow. a really hard situation. <laughs> it's hard. Very. Oh, yeah. so brave! It's. it's <laughs> I would go. I would go crazy, and I have so much help. But I would go crazy in that situation. I think. Oh yeah. Um, I. I. I do, very brave. What, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but when you were in hospital for a week, who was taking care of your older son? My husband, while he was like doing okay. his exam, because he's uh, working as he's a teacher. He was he's like teaching at UMass mm -hmm. and Harvard. He's a, like um, he's a teacher. At the same time, he's doing his PhD. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, he's kind of like yeah. busy. And during on that time, it was like the exam spread. Everyone, everything was online, and my son also is going to school. He was taking online classes, so he was trying to like uh, prepare his exams. You know, uh, watching my son who is taking his online classes. So he was in charge. Mm -hmm. He was in charge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know so, that I Isata also had a had a. Oh yeah. I had quite, quite a story. <laughs> <laughs> quite a story with birth as well. Where should I start? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So my experience. Um, so like I said, I was. I'm, I'm a new mom. So mm -hmm. um, my baby came unexpectedly. Uh, she came two months in advance. She came premature. Um, and I was in at the time. I was uh, working in Guinea. Um, mm -hmm. I had planned to go to Canada a week later to give birth, but she couldn't wait, I guess. <laughs> so she came early. Mm -hmm. um, so she, it happened in Conakry, Guinea, which is not, well, you know, it, it was not my um, preference to have the, her to have her there. But, you know, you can't, uh, you can't do anything against destiny, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so at the time, um, so I actually had pre uh, eclampsia, uh, which, which is the reason why she came early. So my blood pressure was extremely high off the roof. Mm. And I was very sick. I was, you know, rushed to the hospital. Um, at the time, luckily, I wasn't alone. Um, my husband at the time was there with me. Um, and so we were, I was rushed to the hospital um, after I had the, the, the crisis. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I actually was in a coma for a few days. Mm. And then they were able wow. to take the baby out. Um, wow. Uh, like through C-section. Mm. So... They took her out, and then I guess uh, that brought my blood pressure uh, down. It kind of uh, stabilized my blood pressure mm. after that. So, but they had to, of course, you know, uh, keep checking because they say it could come back. 
Um, so when the baby came, uh, when they, uh, when I gave birth or when the, they took the baby out, um, she was, uh, since she was two months early, she was, you know, tiny. She was one kilo. She weighed Oof. one kilo. She was oh my yeah, God. tiny, tiny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was one kilo. And, uh, and the hospital told me that they had just gotten the incubator a day before. <laughs> so they said, you are so lucky. You, they, wow. they said I was very lucky because they didn't even have an incubator uh, mm-hmm. at the hospital and they and it arrived the day before. Um, so that was a good thing that they had it. But then um, the conditions weren't the best uh, at the hospital. Mm-hmm. So my insurance or my company uh, where I'm working, um, they uh, coordinated for the baby to go uh, to, to go to be sent to South Africa so she can be followed there oh my and, gosh. and have better care. Yeah. So I was still in the hospital and then so uh, with my husband at the time, so they they went to South Africa. Um, th- there was a whole team like the SOS something. They brought a plane in, special plane just for her. Wow. Um, and then they took her, yeah, they took her to South Africa like urgently mm-hmm. so that she can have the care she needed um, and then, you know, develop through the incubator. Um, so I was separated from her. Um, from the, I saw her maybe like a couple of hours. Um, before she was sent to South Africa, so uh, once she once she left, I, I was still being followed. Um, I was still not strong enough, so I couldn't go with her. Um, so I stayed in the hospital maybe a week, um, and then when I felt a little better, um, I was able to go join them and join her um, in South Africa. Um, and I went with my mom because um, I was still a bit weak. So I went um, with my mom to South Africa. We spent. Uh, about two months. Well, I spent about two months there uh, with my husband and my ex-husband, and my mom spent maybe two weeks with us just to for moral support and to help me also because mm-hmm. I was very I was very weak at the time, mm-hmm. still very weak from the eclampsia. Um, and then yeah, it was a difficult moment, you know, just seeing the baby so small, so precious, you know, and it, with all these tubes inside of her and being fed through yeah. tubes, mm-hmm. you know, and she had all kinds of yeah, and I couldn't really hold her much well i would do a kangaroo every day maybe an hour or two hours a day mm. holding her um and then that was about it so um well after two months she was developing well she you know she gained a bit of weight and so when they discharged her um it was just me her dad um and her and i was so nervous when she was supposed to come out the hospital i was like oh my god this is this is it now <laughs> this is when being a mom starts like this is it mm-hmm. like no no help you know no one there like no nurses you know t- that know what they're doing and everything so it was just us three um and i was nervous as hell because it was my first experience of course and you know um so and she was still so tiny she i think she weighed a pound uh, almost 2 pounds when they just dis- discharged her so she was still small, uh, but, you know, uh, we tried to manage. So the, the father was around at that time. And so uh, we would alternate, you know, to feed her during the night and things like that. Um, and then um, so we came back to Senegal after uh, after uh, once she got discharged, like maybe two weeks after she got discharged, we came back to Senegal. Um, and then after that, unfortunately, it didn't work out with her dad. So. Uh, I found myself alone with the child, um, and but luckily for me, since I was here in Dakar, Senegal, I have family here. Mm-hmm. So I decided I was like, "There's no way I'm going to stay alone with this child Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> by myself." And mm-hmm. and you know, and I didn't want to uh, take any risks. So I said, "Okay, I'm just going to go stay with my aunt for a little while until I get back on my feet, and you know, until I'm strong enough, and until mm-hmm. I can." Uh, well, until I have to go back to work at least, right? Because I was still out on mat leave. So I went and I yeah. stayed at my aunt's house uh, here in Senegal. Um, and that was a lot of help. I also, on top of staying at my aunt's house, so I also got myself a nanny because, um, you know, I was so good. tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was so tired, you know, n- 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 with not getting enough sleep at night, mm-hmm. um, you know, baby crying all the time. So. So the nanny helped a lot, was there to help a lot. Um, and yeah, so I spent about six months at my, or three months, I think, no, three to four months at my aunt's house. Um, and that was, that was I, ca- I can't even pay them back. Like, it was just so helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they were taking, you know, helping to, to, you know, take care of her and 
things like that. And, you know, I didn't have to worry about, okay, what am I going to cook today? What am I going to eat today? Mm. I didn't have to worry about those chores. I could just concentrate on the baby. Right. Mm. So I didn't have to worry about other, any other chores. And so, um, yeah, that was very helpful. Um, and uh, so now, now the baby is about a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's beautiful Thank and you. so feisty. She started walking really fast. She wanted to walk like early. I, this girl, she's just impatient. <laughs> she's in a rush. She's in a rush. She was in a rush to come. Mm-hmm. And she was in a yeah. rush to walk. Mm-hmm. And she's really feisty. Tell her yeah, to she's take full her of time. Life. Take your time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so she's doing well. Thank God. I thank God every day because it was really difficult in the beginning. But thank God yeah. uh, now everything is stabilized. And my mom is also here nearby helping me. Mm-hmm. Uh, she still wakes up in the middle of the night once once a night. Uh, she doesn't sleep through the night. So she still wakes up once. But at least it's once. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It's manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything. Girl. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I my two year old wakes up a yeah. times in the night. So <laughs> I'm like, mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's my story in, in a nutshell. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Incredible. It was hard. But Alhamdulillah, thanking God every day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Amma, you want to share? That at me. Well, I have to say that I'm really in awe of your stories, you know, like everyone goes through so much and it's really incredible to see like what everybody survives and or goes through or endures. And then those brave Mm -hmm. ones who do it again after the first round yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're crazy. Yeah. i don't know about how to make sense of it but so i um i i had you know relatively smooth maybe too smooth experience so i uh, got pregnant in ghana with my boyfriend at the time in a very unexpected way so i spent a lot of time soul searching like what the hell is this like how am i gonna do this like <laughs> I just discovered that this relationship is not going to work. And now I'm also expecting a child. So how am I going to do it? And thanks to a lot of really wonderful people around me, uh, I was able to take the time to think it through and make my own decision. Um, and some of, one of the wonderful people was my mother. And um, so I had a, a really smooth pregnancy in which... Um, I, I was stressing out because of cultural differences. So in the Netherlands, they were like, your baby's too small. We have to measure this. We have to measure that. And in Ghana, when I would go to the gynecologist, they were like, this is normal. Your child is fine. There's no problem. I was like, what, how is this possible? You know, how can, how can this difference be there? In any case, um, I ended up with not really knowing the due date. Uh, because I was going to see too many doctors in Ghana, (laughs) the Netherlands. And then finally, uh, one day I was sitting there and feeling pains. And that was the beginning of the end of my old life, basically. Um, I I brought my mom. I I wanted to have the baby in the Netherlands because of the excellent health care here, right? And uh, why, why suffer through expensive and difficult things in Ghana where the nurse will beat you if you can have like really, really <laughs> scream or cry. They would tell you to shut up and do what I tell you to do. Yeah. All these crazy <laughs> stories. So I came to the Netherlands and I brought my mom over to the Netherlands and I was staying in a very small apartment since it was um, temporary anyway. And then the day arrived where I was like, you know, the, when uh, labor starts to go to the hospital and it didn't work out that way. Basically, I ended up at home the midwife didn't show up and I just had the baby on my own. There was no medical support. It was me and my mom and my boyfriend at the time. And my mom was like, Mama, you can't cry. Crying is for the baby. Get yourself together. <laughs> and then she turned around and be like, oh my God, yes, Christo, save my child. <laughs> Freaking out, you know. So it was, it was uh, quite, um, quite a ride because it all went quite quickly. And I literally like gave, yeah. like, you know, I was like, oh my God, I gotta go to the toilet. I was sitting <laughs> on the toilet and my mom was like, wait, are you pushing on the toilet? That's not poo. Get off the toilet, you know? Got off wow. the toilet. And then I was like, I can't believe there's still no doctor here. And I'm in so much pain, you know? I was really, I had enough. And then, push, 
You know, water broke. Oh I pushed wow. maybe two, three times. There was a head, and I was like, "Are you kidding? There's a head hanging out of me, and there is no doctor." You know. So anyway, pushed again, and there was a child. I was on my knees. I might as well have stayed in Ghana. You know, I was on my knees. Yeah, with my mom <laughs> and my boyfriend at the time and a baby in my arms i didn't know the sex i hadn't checked i didn't want to know so there was waiting for a doctor i was like okay let's see what is it it's a girl thank goodness you know that's what i wanted and mm-hmm. then i didn't know what to do i didn't cut the umbilical cord just stayed on my knees on the floor wow. in this pool of wetness wow. and blood and then uh, oh, i was like i can't believe it there's a baby <laughs> Just like that. Oh, got a baby in my arms. In your arms. <laughs> my mom went, got herself some fresh air, brought me one of these nice uh, cloths that she had. And then I was there with my mom and my child and my partner and a new fresh baby. And then the doctors came and they were like, are you sure? Like, why did, what, how did this happen? So they kept coming to check, you know, like, are you okay? Are you maybe depressed? Are you traumatized? I was so fine and so in mm-hmm. awe of what it is to be a human being and what it is to be a woman, you know, mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. incredible magic. But I think I could spend time doing that because I had my mom with me and my mom did everything. Yeah. She was so happy to have this grandchild. My mm-hmm. mom stood by me every day, every single day till mm-hmm. past two years. You know, I was I went back home to Ghana with my two months old at the time. I had my aunties, the community, my mom's community gathered. They came with bags of rice and oil and cassava, like everything just mm. appeared magically, you know? There was, and I think, you know, like it was just so wonderful to have all this support. But mm-hmm. then at one point when she was about two and a half, uh, the relationship with her dad ended it could not continue anymore and and i decided to move back to the netherlands so i sort of had to break ties with the community of care that i was enjoying Mm. and come to the netherlands Mm -hmm. and do it the way they do it here but not completely i mean i still had a community (laughs) here but a little significantly less with a lot more sensitivity about other people's time and you know, like asking people for things, knowing that it costs them a lot. Um, it's different. It's very different here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Also, a crazy story. Yeah, we're so we're yeah, so, so brave. We're so. We're just, I mean, I, I feel like God gives mom, us you know? women superpowers. Yeah. Seriously, because yeah. when we hear when we, we hear something, we are. Like, yeah. When she was lucky, yeah. She, yeah. she had a she had a, a mom. So lucky you had your mom yeah. at, at yeah. your side. Yeah. yeah. yeah really lucky but you know yes. what's crazy is that you know having your mom i really thought like i'm so you know it's good to have my mom at my side she's had babies so she knows yeah. how this goes and mm-hmm. i also sort of assumed yeah. you know the type of african woman Ghanaian mm-hmm. woman my mom is and her involvement in her community i really mm-hmm. sort of assumed that she'd attended a lot of births and mm-hmm. it was like right in the middle of my labor that my mom was like i've never done this before <laughs> amazing it's amazing (laughs) i i must say uh i've heard uh for two pregnancies it was quite smooth i'm the type that i have no drama about water breaking and and what do you call it um Getting all these pains a sign that you are ready for birth. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing. What ha- contractions? I, I have no idea, mm-hmm. and I'm still waiting for this drama. Hopefully, oh. the third one. Um, <laughs> that's how how bad I want just to experience it, just for the experience sake. But for the pregnancies, um, the exact date that I get for birth, and I always say it's nature of birth. If not, then let's go for C-section. And the, the, the exact day that I get is the day that I go to the hospital. Wow. All I get is a little drop. That's a sign for a little drop of water, mm-hmm. which is a sign of water breaking. Wow. So every time I, it happened, I would text my doctor, hey, my water just broke. <laughs> He's like, what happened? And and I'm like, just a drop. He's like, get into a hot tub. 
So when the water breaks, my doctor just say, take a hot bath, get yourself to the hospital, I'll meet you there. And when I go there, of course, for the evening, they are just, this is like 12 o'clock midnight. He's telling me, get there by 12 o'clock midnight. And they'll be, of course, just monitoring, etc. And then early in the morning, I would go in for, for C-section. And I always hope that before C-section, I would open up and maybe they'll be like, okay, let's give it a chance. But one centimeter, really, it doesn't, it doesn't work. But my village involves my colleagues, my in-laws, my mm. siblings, especially the girls, uh, my friends, um, the nanny. It's, it's, it's huge. When I wake up the next day, I, I'm, I'm fast on my feet. The doctors actually and the nurses are like, oh my goodness. Most of the people here, it will take them two to five days to be up mm. on their feet. I'm in the bathroom, I'm cleaning up myself, I'm brushing my teeth, whatever. And other people sort of do everything from their bed. I'm not that type. I think I have high tolerance for pain. Um, mm -hmm. That's just what I concluded. So in the hospital, I have, I mean, I wake up and, okay, I love the hospital that I go to because of the food, the soups that they prepare. <laughs> which is part of the, of the packet. I don't have it and it's so delicious that I'll go back over and over to the same hospital. Uh, so they bring you, they really spoil you. Every other hour, they are bringing in either your medication or food or your baby, etc. Um, and I breastfeed right away. I, I, I prepare exclusive breastfeeding as much as I can. And then, of course, you have the in-laws who come and, you know, just congratulate you and they bring you gifts and flowers, et cetera, et cetera. It continues um, to, to home. I get four months leave. I focus solely on the baby. They say, nanny. Luckily, my husband, he is a child's lover. Everywhere we go and the kids catch his name, they are all like, Uncle George, Uncle George. Oh, my gosh, it's like a magnet. <laughs> um, so at home is very very helpful. He cooks. He's the only child from his mother's side, so he did. He grew up doing everything. He cooks mm. delicious soups, and he bathes the child as well. He Lucky most of the word. time. He, he well, I I I get up to nurse to breastfeed. He gets up to change the nappy. Wow, really wonderful. <laughs> Just, just is there a difference between those who had family close by and those who did not in the way, um, in the way you were able to manage raising your kid and balancing everything else in life? Like, how did you manage doing it without the family? I mean, you know? it was it was quite of like bit exper hard experience, you know, because I I was like cooking for myself. For both like pregnancies, I was cooking oh for my myself God. up to like like the day when I deliver. So I always like organize myself to like prepare for the soup, to make a lot of meals, put it on my fridge. I was lucky to have my babies like for the first one it was two days after the do, and for the second one it was one day before the do. So I always like go do my groceries cook for myself, prepare a lot of meals and put it in the fridge. And um, uh, what else? I mean, it's like a little bit different compared to like, because as we can say, if you talk like to some people, they will say that it's normal. People live by themselves in here sometimes with like uh, Americans who live here, who were born here. They have their parents maybe living in another state who come and help. Some might not have those opportunities. So I was just like trying to make it happen by drinking coffees, even though I stopped drinking coffees for so many years. But there were some days that it was very, very hard. I could not like stand up. And uh, I just drink coffee, make my own breakfast, clean my house, like the day after I give birth, clean yeah. my house, cook take care of my firstborn when I came back from the hospital because I am like a perfectionist. I like to cook, to take care of my house, to eat like great meal at least and like make things really um, good. 
So I didn't have any help. A good yeah. Senegalese wife, you are. <laughs> voilà. So and, uh, I just uh, tried to make it happen all the time. I remember like when I went back to school to do my master's degrees, I had a seven-month-old baby, six, seven months. And I used to go for one hour to, to drive one hour to go to my university. I remember that I used to drive for almost three months without having my driving license. Oh, wow. a baby in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I think about those things, like it was crazy because I, I had like a financial ad. I, 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 it was like a big, big opportunity to take. So I just had my learning permit. So I'm like, I need to go to take my classes and finding like a lady, a Ghanaian lady, by the way, who was really nice. And she was licensed and everything. And I negotiated with her since we only had one income to bring my son. I, I mean, I used to drive one hour, 15 minutes to take my son to that lady, lady's place, to drive 15 minutes to go to my universities. And after go drive 15 minutes to go pick up my son and drive one hour to go back home every single day. And oh I was, mm. yes, because I was like taking three courses, three classes, and I was teaching also three, two classes. So he was really challenging, but I always make it happen. I'm like that type of person, even though like it's really hard. I, if I have to do something, I can stay like the whole night studying, doing my homework, do whatever I have to do, stand up in the morning, sleep for one hour, two hours, stand up in the morning and go back to school. So... I remember that time. I think you even had your, you were like doing your exam, you gave birth and went back to do your oh, exam wow. or something. Yes. I remember well, something. I, first wow. wrote, yeah. I was like, what? Four days after <laughs> I gave birth on Saturday yeah. and on Thursday I had an exam. So I went to do my exam. Incredible. Yeah. So, Unbelievable. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> just crazy. But I don't know. I always make it happen. And mm. on that moment, I don't feel like how like I'm making it happen I don't he feel like how it was like so challenging I just remember after like months or after years I'm like oh my god I did that I cannot believe it then, but can I ask and, you something yeah, when you look uh -huh, uh -huh, does, okay. I wonder as, as I'm listening I wonder like is it when you go through this and you really like connect with your superpowers like this huh? mm -hmm. is it does mm -hmm. it make it easier or harder for you to ask for help because you're just doing everything yourself but Good question, yeah. Yes. In 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 United States it's totally different than in Africa, where like they you use you can see like a couple, they have their children, they have a baby, they will send you to your parents' house for three months and you can have exactly. help with your parents. Yeah. And when you come back you have your two you have a nanny, you have like your maid. So they don't need to be involved in those like um to be involved in like the household task and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I I think it really depends on the, like the type of person. Like, if you need help, ask for help yeah. rather than being like. Are you help. learning to ask for help now? More? <laughs> I hope so. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm a kind of person who is really independent, and I'm so proud of myself that I don't like to ask always help. You yeah. know, if there is something that a task that needs to be done, I don't expect to like always tell you can you please wash the dishes can you please do this can mm -hmm. you please do that for me that's in my mind if there's like a lot of tasks in the house we live together you know like what we used to do we need to like clean the toilet we need to cook we need to like do this and do that you know all the tasks already we are partners you should know your part if you see like i just gave birth i cannot like make the food for my son you just need to go stand up and make the food for my son rather than waiting for me to ask you to do that. Mm -hmm. And I will never ask you to do that because I'm like, you should know your part. I'm not mm -hmm. like here to remind you all the time what to do. Yeah. So but I, I think <laughs> it's kind of like lesson that I learned that mm -hmm. if you need help, you ask, even with your partner. Yeah. Don't be so like... Proud. Yeah, I have no shame in that. <laughs> yes. no. For, me, it's, for me, that was my main problem. I think... I put myself mm -hmm. into like a situation that I, I could have like avoid. Yeah. Instead of like thinking about cleaning the house, the toilet is not clean. There's a lot of dishes on the sink. Just let it go. If there mm -hmm. is a lot of dishes, you do what you can do. And after you go back to bed and rest. Instead yeah. of that, I was just like struggling, challenging myself, you know, 
it was there was a lot of things going on my head and i was mad and i was stressed yeah. i had headache every day and that's what makes just like lead me to get almost a postpartum depression yeah because i there was a lot on me you were taking instead of too like, much yeah, yeah and instead and also i did not want to ask for help and <laughs> yeah <laughs> As I said, I had my single mother stint at the beginning of uh, my journey and now I have a, a partner here in the Netherlands. It's a completely different situation. Um I'm really lucky mm-hmm. because I'm with somebody who loves my child so much. A lot of people will tell me that he loves my child more than he loves me, you know, like I just uh, <laughs> spend so much time and, and, and energy on her, you know. But but before this, mm-hmm. when I um when i went back to ghana with my child i think that um my community so my family all my aunties and the, all the children in the house um they really helped me so much that i didn't have to mm-hmm. confront a lot of what was lacking in my relationship um mm-hmm. and i think it sort of masked what was missing so everybody was cooking everybody mm-hmm. was cleaning and there and there were whispers mm-hmm. you know why is this guy doing this why is this guy doing that and then eventually like there was yeah. no way around it you know where it was just okay i can i can if i want to if i want a different type of future for myself i have to get out of this and it was my community mm-hmm. that supported me to get myself out of that situation i'm sure everybody can mm-hmm. imagine like you're together and you feel that you're doing something to your child by breaking the relationship but it was really my my family oh. that helped me get out of it but mm-hmm. it, i think yeah. it was also mm-hmm. my family that masked a lot of what was not working for a really long time mm-hmm. because they were mm-hmm. doing everything there was never there was never mm-hmm. a need for him to make a breakfast or to i mean he did it you know right. but there was just so much being done that it was it was sort of invisible what was what was lacking mm-hmm. was very quickly uh we didn't have to confront it and so maybe you, you know you might have found it difficult because it's just your husband and you and you weren't communicating but at least you were able to identify the problem and then address it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's so true because i had wow. my family came i have i mean i was lucky i i made i said i'm going to you know this is my due date get your butt over here month before <laughs> <laughs> my dad traveled mm-hmm. with me made, no my dad arrived at the same time as me you know made sure he was there my dad was there the whole time both for, for both uh, pregnancies and um mm-hmm. you know my mom you know because in our culture the tukula they you go to your mom's place and you they take care of you for like 14 days you know? like you don't yeah. do anything you just you relax you rest mm. because you're trying to make sure you can do <laughs> and handle that's the luxury for me yeah. <laughs> so for me it was mm-hmm. like I, I was in heaven and my brother is the one putting my older child to sleep while I'm with the baby. When she comes, she's the one taking care of everything. So you know? uh, my parents are here, like right now, they're the ones taking care of the kids while I'm having this podcast, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and the thing is like, so my husband, when he came, I, I expected him just like pretending like he would know what to do because my family is doing it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you clean, you cook. Yeah. Well, no, don't cook. Mommy will cook. But, you know, uh, you know, like put her in bath, put her to sleep, wake up in the night, mm-hmm. you know, do the whole shabam. And I just let them mm-hmm. do those things because, you know, you have to also trust them to yes. do it because most of the time we're like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I do it better or I'm scared or whatever. But mm-hmm. we have to also mm-hmm. trust them to do it. And they, they can, they can, you know, when you tell them, hey, you, you take care of bath time and they know how to mm-hmm. handle it, you know they're proud to do mm. it and they and they help more you know so that was also a lesson for me communicate it and mm-hmm. trust and let go and let them do him do more you know yeah mm-hmm. and i never yeah, like the gender thing is for me a big deal so it's not like oh the mother does it only father can't do that no that mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. i can do you can do, you know except breastfeed yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly for me, for me i think in the beginning even when before we got married i told i told my husband that hey we're not gonna live a movie life no. meaning if there's something that needs to be done you don't sit and watch you you roll up your sleeves and you get your hands dirty as well and and luckily naturally 
I don't have to say that again, like repeat it or remind him. Mm-hmm. And I remember for the first child, because it's like a, for the, for the first child, because it's like a big deal in my tribe, my mother-in-law left her house to come and camp in, in yeah. our house. Mm just to make sure that I'm sorted, Mm -hmm. you know, for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. She was the one who was, you know, I don't know what to call it, massaging Mm -hmm. me with hot water, Mm -hmm. with salt in the tub. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that because it was, it helped me to also Mm -hmm. heal faster. When you come out of theater, you are all swollen up. I don't know. That's Um, amazing. And for the second one, my husband was doing that a massage as well. Mm-hmm. Look, the most amazing thing about my experience is that I'm born and bred in the city, in Vinduk. Mm-hmm. And for the first child, there's this there's this ritual of your of your husband mm-hmm. needs to kill a fresh to kill a, a goat, mm-hmm. and you eat the meat as fresh as possible. And for my first child, my husband was not in the country; he was in Malaysia at the time I gave birth. Mm-hmm. And the father, who lives about 900 kilometers away from the city, drove with his wife with a fresh goat. Mm-hmm. And it was just on my mind, mm. like, oh, my gosh, I'm going for a fresh meat goat. Mm-hmm. And that sauce is just uh, a little bit of oil and salt. That's all I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. And boom, put the, the gate. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, my father-in-law meat. <laughs> That meant a lot to me. I didn't grow up in the city with this practice, but at the time I was craving for it and it just happened out of the blue. And they explained later that they were fulfilling the the role that my husband should have played, but he was not in country. So I found that really amazing. And I guess it's just, I I must say I was just um, fortunate. And we usually... It's a lot of work because until the child is one year, we're doing literally everything. The bath is between me and my husband. We are more comfortable only after a year mm. to hand over the children and need to do all these other chores. And I can tell my husband was as tired as I was when I returned to work. We come home, it's a routine. We are between these two kids. And at the time, my son, we were still sleeping with the last born. And because we are equally up at night, we go to yeah. work tired. He's dozing during lunch. It's like I'm taking 30 minutes nap. And it's only after one year we moved over the child to the nanny. And we were able to have at least a peaceful sleep. Um, and he's like, oh, my gosh, this is not easy. This is what we got ourselves into. We wanted it. And now it's here. And it's not easy. But it's rewarding. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my experience about this village. It's really great. My colleagues would put money together and I would see uh, the driver coming with a huge grocery, mm. uh, vegetables to make soup, whatever, whatever. Mm. And they're just like, we're not getting you other present. We just want you to eat well and be healthy and take care of this baby. Mm. So the village is really great. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And I don't take it for granted, mm-hmm. you know? All I know yeah. from my part, if it wasn't for the village, honestly, I don't know how I would have made it. No. <laughs> because it's so That's difficult, what I, right? Like, yeah. Balancing you everything. <laughs> really hard trying to balance, you know, taking care of yourself, taking care of, you know, mm-hmm. the household stuff, take, you know, going to work, mm-hmm. you know, balancing mm-hmm. all of that. And with a child, it's yeah. extremely difficult. So I think if yeah. you have the chance to have a village next to you and... You know, you can get help with uh, different tours. I mean, take it, take it, take it. Don't refuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it doesn't, it sounds yeah. like actually sometimes help is not to, it doesn't necessarily make the work less because everybody around you gets right. exhausted as well. But it's more that mm-hmm. it's a shared thing because exactly. the, the work is also love, you know. And yeah. if you mm-hmm. share this, then you you all fall in love with this work and with this child and watching yeah. the child grow together so it's so indeed it's really a wonderful thing it's really a blessing to be able to do it together if you are able to do it together but if you aren't it's also mm-hmm. fine because the village has its downsides mm-hmm. as well as <laughs> yeah because your village doesn't i mean your village can be as large as what leticia is saying you know with including colleagues or it can be as small as what Kending is saying is just your husband yeah you know? your village yeah and or your neighbor um but Mm -hmm. yeah it's 
so Emma, can you tell us a little bit about why you think the village can be a uh, disadvantage sometimes? Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm really it, it, dabbling in murky waters. If anybody in my family hears this, I'm grateful <laughs> <Don't>, that. General, <laughs> but, um, general. But uh, exactly, in general, in general. You know, I think indeed it, it, when people organize themselves in in communities, you know, it can be very beautiful because you, you support each other, you have shared values and you really get each other through. But at the same time, you quickly see some people try to take control. You see certain like yeah. gossip patterns, you know, somebody's whispering something here, somebody's whispering something there. Like you, you really like the same issues will be there if there isn't like a constant emphasis on shared values like trust. You know, people mm-hmm. be giving mm-hmm. side eye. Hey, this woman, she's letting her husband do everything. Or, mm-hmm. Look at that husband, yes. he's doing nothing. People, uh, people are talking and that can really ebb away. Um, it's not always supportive, you know. And and, mm-hmm. and just a little anecdote, uh, you know, not in general. This is very specific. When I started mm-hmm. working, my daughter was two months old. And the first day, in my memory, the first day oh. I went to work, so the whole time my mom had been saying, you have a girl, you have to pierce her ears, you know? And you know mm-hmm. what, you have this little baby and you feel your child is so precious. It's difficult to, even though it's difficult to do some of these things, even though before you had the child, you thought you yeah. would do it. But then you, I noticed I was sort of delaying piercing the ears, you know? The mm-hmm. first day I went to work, mm-hmm. I came back home. There was something glistening in my daughter's <laughs> earlobes. What happened to my mom and my aunt? They oh just, my god, you know, they saw the opportunity and they <laughs> pierced those earlobes. I mean, I, I didn't really have a problem with it, but it was like, hey, you know, this, this is our child. I want you are not great. It's also this, there's this competing idea, right? The child. Mm-hmm. ownership mm-hmm. of a child responsibility yeah. for a child if you have a child in a village and you have this shared responsibility and you really mm-hmm. decentralize it that much sometimes things get a bit murky like who can decide what you know yeah. mm-hmm. and with this earring mm-hmm. thing i mean it was kind of funny but it was also that it's not your child it is our child and this is how we do things your child mm-hmm. is subject to how we do things and you can mm-hmm. you know put in some boundaries but there's some things that happen in the village and once you're part mm-hmm. of this village you must do it the way the village does and that can sometimes mm-hmm. be a clash mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom is already telling me that when we go to Mauritania she's gonna have my baby two month old baby with ears uh-huh. but I mean here in Holland they say wait six months for me it doesn't matter you know oh, no. but I mean she's mm-hmm. <laughs> Three months, she's gonna get her ears. Here, so in Ghana, you give birth to a child at the hospital. They cut the belly, but they cut the navel, the umbilical cord, and they pierce the ears. Immediate, one time, oh, simple. Oh yeah. My oh my God. Yes. Yes. Jumping, uh, jumping into that idea, it reminds me like I usually like don't cut my baby's hair. Yeah. Whereas, like in Senegalese culture, when you have a baby, they right away like after a week on the naming ceremony, yeah. cut the baby's the hair. Head, yeah which I did not do. And I remember my uh, sister-in-law came to visit from New York and she wanted to do that. I'm like, no, you cannot do that. <laughs> she was like, I, we need to cut this baby's head. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. And you're not going to do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, sometimes, like mm-hmm. you said, in the village, it's a little bit challenging. A mom who always like, she's back in Africa always remind me, you need to cut this baby's hair. Why are you still like keeping it? I'm like, that's my philosophy. I will keep my baby's hair up to six months a year. I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My so, thing is with mm. the village, like I always try to tell them, I'll take your advice. You can give me as much advice as you want, but don't try to impose anything. Yeah. Right. Mm. Like I, I'm still the mother and I still want to be able to make the decisions um, that I find are best for my child. So mm. I'll take you know your your advice i'll take it into consideration but please just let me uh you know raise my child the way i see fit and don't try to mm-hmm. post things on me so i try to tell them that and uh, mm-hmm. so far so good yeah. so far so good it's true because you know we we get to our, you know, where we have a way of being raised and we think we're going to do the same thing. But because we are exposed to different 
you know, mm-hmm. ideas and cultures and way of thinking, we do things differently yeah. and it doesn't always, it sometimes clashes with the way we were raised, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. the delicate balance yeah. between what we want and what is expected. Yeah. And I realized uh, with the first child, oh my gosh, so many advices. <laughs> Some of them are even conflicting. And you are just like, oh my God, anymore. enough. I can't listen anymore. Everybody telling you how best to yeah. handle whatever. And I'm just like, okay. Your motherly instinct will kick in and you'll mm-hmm. do the right thing mm-hmm. in the best interest yeah. of the child. Because mm-hmm. uh-uh. my dad said before I gave birth to the first one, he was like, don't listen to anybody. Do not yeah. listen to anyone, including your mother. <laughs> do your thing. And he meant it like, you know, because you will he knew like you will feel, yeah, you will do what you feel is right and you yeah. will do what's right for your child because every child is yeah. different. And we should trust other instincts. I mean, we gave birth, you know, we survived that and all these crazy, amazing stuff. We survived it. And here Mm -hmm. to tell the story today, you know, Ama, you have your eight-year-old, you're, you know, you're thriving, she's thriving. Yeah. All these kids are growing. So we're doing something right somehow. Yeah. Yeah, But I, 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 I think getting advices from people might be good. It will be just on you like to yeah. dispatch and like mm. distinguish mm. what works for you and what yeah. does not work for you, what applies to you, yeah. your yeah. case. So, I mean, I've been getting a lot of advices, you know, but even though you get a lot of advices, sometimes you might not get everything. For example, with my first born, yeah. I I got stitches, like, after I gave birth. It was a natural birth, I got stitches, and I was, like, in pain for, like, more than a month, which was not normal. And one day, I was talking to one of my cousins. Thanks, good. I don't have the village, like, <laughs> physical persons coming to help, but I used to talk with people a lot over the phone, through WhatsApp. So one of my cousins told me, Tenning, you give a nat- you give birth naturally. I'm like, yes. And she was like, did you, you were like, you got some stitch? I'm like, yes. And she was like, do you have a head a blower? And she said, take the cold part and use it every time after you use the bathroom. And that day I was so happy and I was praying. I'm like, oh my God, if I did not talk to her, yeah. I could not like find a solution of my pain. Like every time I use the bathroom to pee or whatever, I just take the hair blower, <laughs> use the cold part, and throw out myself. <laughs> this is uh, this is a wow, great tip. <laughs> I love it. it great yeah. <laughs> that was a great, great tip. Yeah. So, you know, the village, you can have the village now through technology with the new technology yeah. now. You can like have the yeah, village. Thank God for WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And you that can have multiple wow. villages. I think the greatest you can have yeah, multiple definitely. villages that help you. I think the greatest tip I've gotten was after C section, of course, I had the scar that remained, but during winter it it it's as if it becomes fresh again. Like mm-hmm. it becomes a fresh wound. And it starts itching. And one of my friends in Zambia was like, just put a layer of cotton over it to be warm and it will disappear. Oh my God. I forgot that I have, every time it reminds me that I have a C-section, but with that cotton, oh, oh it, I forget about it. Yeah. So that was a great advice. That's well. good. <laughs> I used cabbage leaf for my boobs when they were yeah. like swollen hard. That worked. And it works? Yeah, oh, it wow. worked miraculously. When I stopped breastfeeding my firstborn, you know, normally they tell you it will like um, take a, a while before your breast get used to it. But I used cabbage leaf for two days and I was done. Oh, wow. I was fine. Yeah. Wow. Frozen cabbage leaf. <laughs> Frozen cabbage. Okay. You put it on your breast, you say? Yeah, you freeze the cabbage leaf and put it on your breast until it yes. defrosts. It stinks, but then it really helps uh, your boob. <laughs> oh, wow. To to decongest the boob. (laughs) Yeah, to decongest, yeah. Okay. Wow. It even has the shape of the boob. You know, the the cabbage leaf when you you freeze it? (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow. That works, yeah. That's a good tip to know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies, is there anything else you want to share before we close off? 
I mean, I, I mean, I would just recommend that there are people who yeah. really have no one. I mean, it's their village is literally mm. them and the baby. And and if I have a chance to speak to them before giving birth, it's just to say, create that village, even if it's one extra person, it, yeah. it, it's going to make a big difference. I've seen a lot of friends who goes into this postmortem depression and they are crying and they are not breastfeeding anymore. And the kids are gr- crying as well. They all cry together and it, it's not nice. It's not a nice experience as a, as a, mm-hmm. as a mother. Um, yeah. So whatever is whatever resources you have, yeah. make that part really of your Thank you for sharing that. Very important. Mm-hmm. I will have an episode on postpartum depression. I will be mm-hmm. talking to two mothers about that. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, especially in Africa, we don't have a term for it or we don't think of it you know, as depression or, you know, that right. it's something real and that, mm-hmm. needs, you know, women need support in that. Mm-hmm. But it'll be good to have that those uh, stories shared, you know. Yeah. But yeah. it's so important to go look for someone yeah. who can help, no matter who it is, you know. Even yeah. if it's just, can you come cook for me or can you come and hold the baby for like an hour so I can nap, yeah. whatever mm-hmm. you need, you know. You should be able mm-hmm. to ask, hopefully, someone who can help. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I also want to just, before we close, just go back to this issue of this topic of communication. Like, if your village mm-hmm. is two, you have to communicate. If your village mm-hmm. is ten, you also mm-hmm. have to communicate, you know? Mm-hmm. Because there's so many, like, and I'm mm-hmm. saying this also a little bit to myself. I'm not the most excellent communicator, but, but I do think that there's such a need to mm-hmm. clarify, like to communicate, to make boundaries mm-hmm. clear, to make mm-hmm. needs clear, you know, mm-hmm. what exactly right. is the need. Mm-hmm. And also really um, this idea of not asking for help. Some of us mm-hmm. are so bad at mm-hmm. asking for mm-hmm. help. Like, again, mm-hmm. it goes back to communication. We have to communicate. We have to say, I'm mm-hmm. alone. I'm going to do this. I just want mm-hmm. you to do this one thing for me. Or I want, mm-hmm. could you please you know, come in and take my other kids to school so that I can mm-hmm. take care of breakfast and a shower. I just want to take a shower, you know? And sometimes if you ask people, it can they can feel so honored, you know? I, mm-hmm. I know for myself, when people ask me for help, a lot of times I do feel somewhere in me that it is a blessing to be asked to help somebody True. like this. So, so also remember that if you don't ask for help, you're sometimes also taking away a blessing from somebody else who really wants mm-hmm. to be reached out mm-hmm. to and wants to support somebody actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is important. Great yeah. advice, Ama, mm-hmm. especially for those listening and want to help, just reach out and say, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, instead of, oh, 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 about that, Georgie, I've been reading like an article. Instead of like proposing someone, what can I do to help? Just bring food, for example. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Bring food. Sure. Come yeah. and say, okay, today I'm here. I'm going to help you clean up your house. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. help you fold the clothes. I'm going to help you wash mm-hmm. the dishes. Yeah. You know, because you can always like tell people, and people like me, I don't want yeah, to we'll say no. people. If you <laughs> yeah. come and say, how can I help? I will say, no, I'm fine. You know, yeah. I'm not fine, but you know, yeah. I don't want to yeah. bother people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's important because as a mother, I just feel your focus should be on caring for both of you and not being angry or being worried exactly. about the absence of help because it oh, takes you true. to a different space. Yeah, exactly. Um, that can really make yeah. you resentful huh? if you are worried about the absence of help. Mm-hmm. Versus Frustration, yeah. stress. And your child feels that energy. That's so important. Yeah. 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 You know, I know we're rounding up, but this issue of energy, this is also actually something that I'm now remembering. That my mom and my aunties, they were really very careful about energies. You know, yeah. that is also the power of the village um, mm-hmm. that I, I really appreciated and learned about is like my mom really trying to make sure that the energy is good around the yeah. child. You know, no anger, no stress. And that's the point of everyone being involved is a Mm -hmm. way of of protecting the child, ensuring that the child is is fine energetically, Mm -hmm. you know, positive vibes only, only positive Mm -hmm. vibes. If you have Mm -hmm. drama, don't bring it. If there's a funeral, you are not attending a funeral with your child. That's not the energy that a newborn baby 
goes to you know and the, the and the village the community that ensures that creating like a barrier or like you know a circle of just positivity around the child so keep making sure mom's okay she's not angry you know everything yeah. is fine we are here we're in it together yeah that's amazing Hey, thank you so much for yeah, sharing your I just want to thank Georgia. Yeah, I want to thank you for organizing yeah. this, um, this discussion and <laughs> mm-hmm. this talk. I think it was even therapeutic, you know, just being mm-hmm. able to talk about it openly, talk about mm-hmm. our experiences. Yeah, that it helps. Mm-hmm. And I think we've each learned something new. Definitely. Right? Yeah. So it was, Hand it was dryers on your vagina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad it worked out. So yeah. thank you for being yeah. open and for wanting to share. I yeah. mean, it would have mm-hmm. you sharing. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah but thank you so much for convening this. You know, this yeah. has been yeah. a really, I've really enjoyed. I've never mm-hmm. met most of you. I've never met, and uh, yeah. I've really enjoyed listening to you and hearing your stories and how you have yeah. been dealing with this. So thank you, Georgie, for convening. Yeah. <laughs> thank you thank you all have a wonderful week uh, wait what are we Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. but Saturday and Wednesday are the same these days aren't they? it's all the same for me seriously <laughs> have a good weekend, all. Okay. Enjoy the weekend. thank you, thank you. Nice. Thank you everyone. Have a good weekend.